You're listening to Free Your Inner Guru, a podcast for big-hearted leaders making a meaningful impact in the world. We dive deep into conversations about conscious leadership, choosing a life of personal growth, spirituality, and the self-help industry so you can connect to your inner wisdom and become the leader you want to see in the world. To engage with the Free Your Inner Guru community online, you can find me, your host, Laura Tucker, and the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also become a supporting patron or an active member of our private online community at patreon.com forward slash free your inner guru. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. It's my pleasure to welcome back the first person who ever sat down for an interview for this podcast over three years ago, my very good friend, Julie Min. Julie is a psychic and a spiritual advisor. And if you are newer to the podcast and haven't heard her first episode, which happens to be episode 20, I'll leave a link in the show notes. It is well worth um, listening to. This is a very different conversation, so I don't think there's any redundancy at all. The timing of this return trip to Free Your Inner Guru was catalyzed by the Wondery podcast, Guru, The Dark Side of Enlightenment. And so if you're listening to this podcast because of that podcast, Julie did sit for an extensive interview with the Wondery team, and she is not in the final cut of Guru. So that opened up an opportunity for me to say, hey, you know, you're ready to tell your backstory why don't you come on over to my podcast and do it there? So that's what we're doing. Um, I do need to give you uh, a heads up. Julie is a survivor of the Sedona Sweat Lodge, but she's also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And so if you have young ones or if you're at work and have the speaker on and that's not something that you're comfortable with the whole room hearing, um, it's not graphic Our conversation is not descriptive or graphic in any sense, but we do go deep into the challenges and the healing journey around that. So there's tons of benefit, but I just feel as a responsible host, it's uh, my duty to just give you that heads up so you can manage your surroundings and manage your own headspace. You can take it all in. Um, So with no further ado, I introduce you or reintroduce you to Julie Min, and I'll be back on the other side to uh, to wrap it up. Enjoy. Our guest is Julie Min. Julie, this is your second time on Free Your Inner Guru. Welcome back. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. The last time that we spoke for Free Your Inner Guru, it was October 2017. I can't believe that time has gone by yet again. That was like almost three years ago. And there's been a lot happening in both of our lives and a lot of activity around a part of our life story that is shared because you and I were both present uh, at Spiritual Warrior in October 2009. We both took workshops with James Arthur Ray and went on huge journeys of personal growth and self-development. And I'm just so grateful that you're um, wanting to come back and, and use this platform to share more of your story. 
And, uh, and just a little bit of background, Julie's first interview was that we talked a lot about, from my recollection, we talked about survivor's guilt. I think it was shortly after the Las Vegas shooting. We were both really feeling moved to, to express on that level and chose to do it together. And now the conversation is evolving again with the release of Wondery's Guru podcast over the summer. And it's out in, in its entirety now. Um, it dropped in J- July and early August. And something that people won't know right away is that you sat for an interview for Guru. Um, and so you you put time into the production, and in the end, you, you were not featured. So this is special to be able to have you here to, to talk about that. And I'm curious, because we haven't talked about this piece for a long time, but what did you think about the six or seven episodes of Guru that you heard? What was that like for you to listen? You know, it was... Um it's always a little shocking to me that uh, the level of reaction that I have, I I think that I'm um, further along in my healing. And then I listen to my friends talk about an event at which I was at, and then it brings me right back. And so, so many levels of reaction to the seven episodes, uh, I, if I take myself out of that experience in, in terms of uh, my expectation of me showing up at all in, in the episodes, and if I just listen to it uh, for what it is, I, I was really proud. I am really proud of you and Brandy for speaking for being so brave to be uh, willing to be so vulnerable and to to share that uncomfortable part of the journey. You know, I, I recognize that we all like to talk about the successes and, you know, it's like once you've done the work, look at how fabulous we all are. But when you are in the middle of your pain and to be asked to share that story, that's difficult. And even though it's been 10, 11 years since the actual event to, to be asked to recount again, one of the worst moments of our, all of our lives to have been there and for people to have died and not even that's not the extent of the trauma either because so many people went to the hospital and everybody who was there has been traumatized by it. So that reaction, um, it was a little bit surprising to hear the kind of storytelling. Uh, It's always the perspective of the podcaster in this case, Matt and, uh, these things always go in a different direction than you initially expect or hope. <laughs> so, so, so that was interesting to, to witness and to kind of regroup and go, okay, it may not be what I had hoped it would be, 
And it's still, uh, I think, a vital part of the storytelling. It fills in a piece that we didn't have before. And so from that perspective, I'm happy that it's out there. And I understand why I'm not a part of it. And I'm happy that you and Brandy are as big a part of it as you are. It's a, yeah, it's, there's an, a body of work that's accumulating on this topic. And I was actually with a very close friend yesterday. We made some time to just hang out and she had finished listening to it. And, you know, we talked about, um, we talked about the portrayal and, and I was giving her some of my current um, opinion and she very actually very pointedly suggested that I listen to it again because um, she disagreed with me on some key points. And, and so oh, I might be listening to it again. And, and I've, I've felt like, I felt like I probably need to. You know, when we were in Enlighten Us in 2015 and all of 2016, we probably saw that movie together in public four or five, six times. And, you know, so by the time, every time you watched it, you're processing something different. You're seeing something different. You're hearing something different. And, and, and we were there, you know, at, like there in Sedona and we were in the film, although, you know, marginally so, some would say, um, yeah. right? So I guess it's the same with Guru. And my, what I have been saying recently, and it's, and it's shown up in, in the interviews with Brandy that I did, um, which actually, by the way, are like the most popular um, episodes oh, to date. So exciting. Oh, I'm so and happy. It, yeah. And you know, and it was just such a pleasure as it is right now, just to sit here and talk and be able to smile at each other, even though I'd rather like be, you know, somewhere physically in the same space, but to be able to gather even in this tiny, tiny group of two and reflect on it and realize like, we're still, processing and working through these things. So why wouldn't I go back and listen again? Because that first time through, um, I will shallowly admit my primary concern was, do I sound like an idiot? Right. Yeah. That, that was about as refined a filter that I had on it and just taking in the, the craft of it, you know, the, 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 the breadth and the depth and, and every time I would learn something new, um, because still learning new things after 11 years. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's been really, really interesting. And, and so I'm, I probably will listen again. It's a lot of time, but uh, a couple of people have asked me to post my thoughts online, you know, kind of episode by episode. So maybe there's an opportunity to do that, but I learned, I learned a few things that were, a little bit shocking to me. Do you remember, recall, did you, did you learn anything new listening to, to Guru? You know, I'm, I'm sure I did because every single time somebody bothers to do the research and, and an in-depth report about it, there are new facts that come out. 
Uh, at this point in time, I don't recall any specifics. Um, I think I was more, I was paying more attention to the craft of the story because in looking at the documentary and my initial reaction to that, and then coming to appreciate <laughs> the documentary for what it is and for the role that it plays in telling the story and the background and feeling like Wondry, again, uh, that perspective of it tells a piece of the story that hasn't been made available to the public in this way. And it tells it in a way that um, I think makes, I, I feel like you and Brandy represent we survivors really well. It's, you're, you both are articulate. You both have insightful things to say. And I appreciate the vulnerability and the authenticity even though it may not be what you wanted to say, the message, I feel that the spirit of you both came through, which is why you are so relatable, which is why people are actually listening to Free Your Inner Guru now, because they, they feel a connection to you. They feel um, sympathy. And, and that, I feel, is important in telling our story is that we need to show people, Hey, we're just like you. We are your small business owners. We are your next door neighbors. We are, you know, the uh, PTA, you know, person, partner. It, we are members of the community and we put ourselves in a position and found that three of our friends died. So, yeah, it's, it's still shocking now, still more information coming out now. We're still trying to figure out what it all means and how, how we fit that into our lives today. Why do you think that the story is um, important to keep telling? Because I'm, I'm sure that... Yeah, you know, I can think of at least one person who would probably wish that we, we not tell it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I understand that. There's yeah, there's a desire to move past, move beyond, let go of past pain, past trauma, um, especially the things that are uncomfortable to look at in our own participation of. I. I think that that's a part of the healing journey is to give yourself space and time and distance. So you recognize that you are not only the trauma that you went through. And at some point, I think we as conscious human beings need to go back to our pains and go, what happened here? Why did this happen? What was my thinking, my thought process, my motivation? What, led me to be there in the first place because quite frankly I don't want to repeat that in my own life I don't want ever to feel like I willingly gave away my power to somebody else mm -hmm. and because of that I put my life in danger in such a dramatic fashion it was 
eye-opening, I think, for all of us. Again, none of us expected for people to pay the price of that journey with their lives. Can we dig into um, willingly gave your power away? Uh, Okay, yes. Thank you. Uh, Willingly, as in we all have free will, free choice. And James is very well versed in psychological techniques and sales techniques and um, very good at persuasion. So the, one of the critiques that I've heard that you've heard, we've all heard is again, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just get out of the sweat lodge? Why wouldn't you say something earlier And until you know the context, until you travel along the journey with somebody else from their perspective and see how we were led and conditioned both to that point in our journey where we thought, okay, maybe you know something that I don't. Because up to this point, I've gained all these breakthroughs. Yes, I am doing the work, but you're the one, James is the one who... uh, crafted the the events and the learning and the the experience of it all so we were willing we were willing to suspend our judgment set aside our doubts um set aside our own inner voice screaming at us we're like okay okay we hear you let's since everything that we've tried on our own hasn't given us the results so far, perhaps this is what it takes. And there's a difference between giving people tools and convincing people that they need to do things your way. Mm. I'm just letting that one drop. Um. (laughs) Cause you know, it's easy, it's easy to forget some of that aspect of it, even though with these productions, it's kind of put back in your face, but, you know, listening to you, I'm reminded and, and I've said, like, I think it's been well established that we're trusting people Yes. and I don't ever want that to go away. When I start to lose my sense of trust, I'm usually not in a, a good frame of mind. I'm usually, yeah you know, kind of dark and um, quite possibly depressed. Me too. And much more cynical and much more defensive. Yeah. Yes. And and for me, that's been a part of the, uh, the challenge of this continuing experiences is knowing that it's, I think we, I think we both agree. It's a story that, that we think needs to live in public consciousness and too bad, so sad that we were there, right? Yes. Like I wouldn't wish it upon anybody else, mind you. Oh God, no. So the value of having it in public consciousness, the obvious value is that we don't want anyone else to experience any of what we experienced or what Kirby, James, Liz, and Colleen experienced. Yes. And the other thing that comes to mind is like I I have had notes from 
various coaches and, and, you know, emerging leaders in their own right who have written to express that either seeing enlighten us or listening to guru has changed the way that they do things. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. Good to know. So I think there's silent impact, yes. but it might be a while before, um, like there is a, there is a more nuanced, compassionate take on this narrative that we're just not there yet. And, yes. and I, I recognize that, that in order to be there, we need to go through this stage where we're, we're kind of being presented as these broken victim people. Yes. And that, that grates me to the nth degree because I never felt broken. And I think the assumption that people who are going into self-help are broken is, is on one hand, it's kind of at the core of like, why would you need to do any of these tactics if you didn't think that these people were fundamentally broken and couldn't make intelligent decisions for themselves, healthy decisions. But on the other hand, I, I object to the extreme to being portrayed as, as the, the broken, lonely. Like I had a very rich, um, adventurous life and, and that piece is missing. And for all the freaking time that you hear my voice compared to say Brandy or you who sat for an interview, um, you know, it's just it, when you don't have it, you're relinquishing control. It's like this never ending lesson about relinquishing control and doing the best that you can. You know, I'm listening to you and I remember one of the conversations that you and I had uh, right after you gave your interview for Wondery. And I, I would like to remind you as your friend that sometimes when we are entrepreneurs, right, we want to present the best version of ourselves it's the marketing, it's the polish, it's the glitz, it's the, you know, it's the whole package. And what I think is so great about when you give interviews is that you're not polished and you're not packaged and you are being real and you are being, again, and you say like broken as that's, there's something wrong with that. And I would say Every single person on this planet has at least one part of their life where they feel broken, where they don't feel whole, they don't feel good enough in some area. So if there is something wrong with that label, there's something wrong with the entire human race, right? We are, we are all that in that together. So I, I hear that more as a judgment call rather than a compassionate view of yourself and I would say, be kinder. <laughs> yeah, I was going to interject and say, oh, she's going to give me a, a psychic smackdown. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, yes, to all of what you said. And one of the things that, that like this, going through the, the interviews and the associated interviews, the, the, the label victim was, was being hung pretty yes. heavily. Yes. And I think that's more what I mean. Like, I'm pretty clear that 
you know, I have things to heal and certainly did at the time and didn't realize, you know, I thought I was going to learn how to, well, what did I have an awareness of? Like I, I knew about the, the core philosophy of harmonic wealth because I had been given a DVD that got all into the five pillars of harmonic wealth and this idea of integrating your, I see if I can hit them all after all these years, your physical, your spiritual, your uh, mental, relational, relational and something else. And, uh, and, but it, it became about energy like in, in the grand scheme of things, it, it became about energy and this idea of living an integrated life. And for me, that's always been the challenge of being so compartmentalized, like yeah. being business Laura and fun Laura, being, you know, professional Laura and being Laura who drops F-bombs every few minutes. Then it's like this dichotomy that is not healthy. And so even now it's hilarious because as you're aware, I'm making some changes to how I'm operating in the world. And that came out of listening to Guru over, over the summer where at the same time I'm writing a book and I'm in a, I was in a big um, creative um, course uh, and just a whole bunch of like, just this desire to just be me, not be this, coach not be this authority to be just show up as we are now and and that always seems to get better results than the practiced professional at least in this milieu you know 20 years ago in my corporate life maybe you know very different but but that's not where we are now and to me that's one of the biggest and continuing challenges in society, but also for myself, it's like, how do you um, use the various platforms that there are in a way that is authentic and effective? And there's, there's a time where you're learning the skills and you're learning the technical and all of this, and it's harder to be, you know, fully authentic during those, you know, stages because you're thinking of every single thing of course of course right it's like that beginner that you know levels of consciousness scale where you know you're not competent you're not you're consciously incompetent and you know it and you know so we're we're moving through all of this together and I think you know especially in pandemic world um, how much more energy do people really want to put into maintaining a facade yes Yes. Because I think we've seen a lot of the facade drop away. Well, it's interesting that that brings up a couple of points. Uh, the facade dropping is kind of something that we went through ourselves with shaving our heads. Good right. point. Do continue. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the exercises that we both went through right, <laughs> is not having any hair and figuring out if we were if we were comfortable in in our in our own bodies and the reaction of other people to our exterior selves and if we could still show up without feeling embarrassed without feeling like we have to apologize and i think 
in this time of pandemic where people aren't going to the salons and getting their hair cut or dyed or anything. And, you know, you, you get on Zooms in pajamas or you just put a shirt on, you know, bottom half, still comfortable. So it's, yeah, the facade is dropping away and we are finding that we are much more comfortable when we don't have to put on any kind of pretense when we can just be ourselves and people respond much more to people who have the courage to be themselves openly mistakes and all flaws and all without having to polish up and then present this could be the best version but how, how long did it take to become that best version? And what happens when you go home and wash your face and take off the clothes? Are you no longer your best version because the exterior changed? So um, values definitely are getting reevaluated, right, during this time. And uh, I wanted to kind of go back to something you had said earlier about the victim label and the victim energy, because... I think one of the reasons why we cringe so much when we get labeled that is there's something in that word that describes the lack of power. If you are a victim, somehow you are rendered powerless by a choice that you made. And that's the giving away of your own personal power to some external source saying that they somehow know better for you than you do. And we have fought to re regain our power, to create in our lives, to become more integrated. And when we're victims, it almost seems like we are less of people, less of autonomous conscious creatures, and more of the masses who just, we somehow fell under the spell of somebody charismatic and woe is all of us because we, we then suffered as a result. And part of the conscious path, part of the spiritual path is recognizing where other people have responsibility and where we have responsibility in those choices that we've made. To, to bring about those circumstances. And you and I have both gone the other way too far where we take too much responsibility, where we feel like we didn't take enough in one area now we have to compensate. And now it's like, no, 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 but that's not yours to own. So we're still finding our way. We're still trying to find the fine line of cooperation versus like a, the, the power struggle, which is on the other side of it. In 2007 and 2008, when you went on this journey, what drew you to James Arthur Ray? Um, and, and what had you continue on this path? During that time in my life, I was teaching piano. And um, I actually, I liked my life. You know, I, I enjoyed being around children, I I really um, liked my coworkers. I liked the company I was working for, the the business, and that part was all working. But I felt like in my personal life, I was stuck. 
and that in relationships, there was an issue that I really had to dive deeper in to do the healing. I had done everything my whole life. I had dove deep into my own personal psyche to heal from childhood wounds. And I didn't know how to do anymore. So uh, my personal history in my family, there is sexual abuse and physical abuse. And I didn't know how to help myself and forgive my father. And I felt like something in the approach of James and his perspective and his, what he taught, I liked the fact that it, the responsibility went back on me because that's something I could change. That's something I could work with. If all I was going to do was blame other people, I would be exactly where I was. I'd be stuck. So if I could take personal responsibility, then I had an action plan. And even though it was going to be hard, it was something that I could do. So I went to Spiritual Warrior with that intention. What does personal responsibility in the context of childhood sexual abuse, how does, how does that occur? Are you saying that as a child, you were responsible for what happened or no. is it something else? No, it's something else. So I look at myself in, from many different perspectives. I look at myself uh, when I was growing up, obviously as a child, um, see myself now as a woman. And I also see myself as a soul who happens to be a woman in this lifetime. And the levels of responsibility that I put back on myself is when I was young, I didn't have the language or the wherewithal to protest what my father was doing to me. And also not understanding that the person who was supposed to protect me and who created my life along with my mother who brought me into this world was the one who was abusing me and my sister. So that part, not on me, not my responsibility, all of my reactions to the, to the abuse, my behavioral changes, how I showed up, uh, in my relationships with my family members, how I showed up with in my relationships to my non-existent friends when I was growing up, you know, it's, it's that. And my, um, my journey of trying to heal myself in my personal life. And quite frankly, to be honest, when it comes to my sexual life, right, that it does a number on your psyche makes you incredibly reactive without fully understanding where all the emotions are coming from. And until you address those issues, and I'm speaking from personal experience, witnessing myself, you cannot have a healthy relationship. And I witnessed myself choosing men who I didn't actually want to be with and wondering why, why, 
What was I doing? What was in my subconscious brain that kept on repeating the cycle? And until I fully understood myself, I knew that I was going to repeat the same actions. And so that's why I wanted to go. And that's me taking responsibility. Were you thinking going into that environment that it would be a solution for you? I was hoping that it would be a solution. I was hoping that it would give me enough tools and knowledge to help myself. What I discovered uh, along the journey by going to more events and by doing the exercises in person at events and talking amongst the small groups, I discovered that there were many people who had had similar issues with abuse, sexual and physical, and that they too were gaining tools and helping themselves and trying to get past it. And I felt, you know, we're not in this to share the gory details. We are in this to do the work. If we need to share the details in order to do the work, we will absolutely do that. But we want to figure out again, how to help ourselves, how to heal ourselves how to get beyond it. And because other people were on their path, I felt like that was enough support, enough upholding space, if you will, that I could, I could feel safe enough to let down my guard enough to dive deep into my own psyche and I knew that if I fell apart, I would be amongst people who would help me. And mm. that was, to me, invaluable. That's what I wanted. And if we leave the sweat lodge itself out of it for yes. now, um, is that what you found? It is. Absolutely it is. I, I still get chills when I think of the people who, who we've met and who we get to call our friends, because when they told their stories and when they shared their own personal experiences and how they were faring while doing the exercises and their journey to healing, I could see the transformation. Everybody could see the transformation. The, to the posture, to the energy and the voice, to the light within it it was beautiful to witness and i feel like that living example of possibility that i got to to share in seeing that journey seeing the transformation up close that is what allowed me to do my work and that gave me hope when times were tough so despite all the trauma that came from the event, I'm grateful because I, I did get to receive what it is that I wanted going into the event. I just got a whole, much, a whole bunch more that was unexpected. <laughs> it's interesting because going back to Guru, one of the red flags that is identified was at these large events, people disclosing these extremely personal things. Yes. What, I get it. 
I 100% get it. I get the concern. I get, my goodness, you know, after watching um, the Tony Robbins movie where there's the woman who was in Children of God and like that made me very uncomfortable. Me too. Um, You know, so I get it. So how do we navigate, you know, and, and this might be a bigger body of work, right? Like navigating the difference between, okay, this is healing and good and supported and I'm moving forward and, and this is manipulative and, you know, has a darker aspect to it. Can we ever really know? Is it, is it about the personal experience? When we try and circumvent all the worst case scenarios, then we kind of take away the ability to organically grow. And in disclosing something that is so personal in a public event, I think that is everyone's choice. We don't always have the wherewithal to know if it's good for somebody or if it's bad for somebody in that moment in time for them to be that open. For the most part, I have witnessed, and I think you may have witnessed, although I don't want to put words in your mouth, but at the events, I saw people transform for the good, where they had the breakthrough and they were much happier, where it actually helped them. But like, I don't have all the answers. I just recognize from this vantage point that some people are much more fragile. And Mm -hmm. so how do we protect those personalities while allowing most people the freedom to make that choice for themselves? What could it look like if at an event, and I think we need to distinguish, there is a difference between an event where there's hundreds of people in the room and versus tens of people in the room. You know, Spiritual Warrior was a lot more intimate and, you know, people could be kept an eye on in the room anyways. The sweat lodge throws that theory out. But, uh, but, you know, imagining a person from the stage saying, okay, we're going to do this exercise and here's a sign, here's what it's like um, to, for this to be healthy for you. And if you are experiencing this, 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 and this, right, then maybe you want to go and talk to some of the people over there and have trained coaches, therapists, you know, and so forth. Like, like if you're having suicidal ideation, you know, this let's get some intervention and just normalizing this level of a conversation. And, and, and then even you look, Julie, in the last two years, like standing up in front of a room and talking about things like, um, sexual abuse, like miscarriage, like racism, like any kind of abuse. It has become um, the foundation of social movements. Yes. Right? So it can't be all bad It's or all unhealthy. But I also do know that every single time, especially the first number of times that I went out and told my story in public, I would have a vulnerability hangover for days. I think it comes to 
the point of self-awareness. So if you are self-aware, one hopes that you have enough knowledge of yourself to ask for help when you need it. It's the people who are so deep in their shame that it makes it difficult to articulate what it is that they need. And I think that's where that whole system, the um, that way of learning where it's just push, 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 like it doesn't serve those people. Those are the people who need support and love and and professional help where they can be monitored, where they can have a little bit more handholding when they need it in, in that way. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a stage that you're at in your healing. And a lot of pushing. There was a lot of, if you don't do this right now, you're going to lose out on this opportunity. It's the FOMO, right? It's like, you're going to miss out if you don't play full on right now. And that philosophy of push, 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 I feel is much more of a drill sergeant rather than a spiritual guide. A guide recognizes where you're at and what you need at any given moment. I think looking back, I was so new on the journey, right? I didn't have anything to compare it to. It's not like I went and and did any other, anything like that before. And what sold me on moving forward was the fact that I was feeling better, that I was taking concerted direct action towards changing the, my undesirable results. I mean, that'll make anybody feel better. Better results make you feel better because we know like even the absence of feedback, the absence of results, if you've got any form of self-worth issues, you're, they are going to come up without that kind of validation in the external world. And so I was being very validated at that time by um, success in my business. Um, I hadn't gone back into the dating life um, until after Spiritual Warrior, um, but in things were just starting to shift around. Even my own relationship with my father, something serious happened. Um, This was like, I think, middle of 2009. So I was on the journey and I had a vastly different reaction to, to what it was. And it ended up being the catalyst for all kinds of healing, you know, and, and was able to resolve some pretty serious issues that had been going on for decades, long before he passed away in 2014. So, you know, it is, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And I wouldn't have that if I hadn't gone on the journey. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's, the journey. It's not the journey with James Arthur Ray. It's not the journey with, you know, I'll name any other figure. It's not the journey with the coach, Laura Tucker. It is the journey towards self-awareness and agency. And, and part of that is learning from your lessons that are given to you so you don't have to repeat them. Yes, very much, which is why we talk about it. Right. We, we don't 
know the mistakes that we made until we are willing to sit and take a good hard look at it and face the truth. Um, one of the things that I'm always banging on about is that uh, none of these productions leave room for talking about after Spiritual Warrior and after the Sweat Lodge. And so consciously, right now, I want to ask you about what what happened with you after, you know, and we know that from your reference to it earlier, you you had also shaved your your head and... And then there you were back in society um, in the days, weeks, months, and years afterwards. What's your healing journey been like? Oh my gosh. Roller coaster for one. I think as is everybody else who's on that same journey. My personal journey with my hair, I actually knew of the head shaving uh, beforehand. I wasn't supposed to, but because I had known people who were going to Spiritual Warrior, I saw them before and after the event. And because I saw them after, every single one who I saw had shaved head. So of course my question was, did you do that there? (laughs) You know, is that part of it? And everybody was very reluctant to say anything, but they, they wanted to be truthful. So what I heard is, yes, this is one of the activities and we're not really supposed to talk about it, but this is, you know, it's a challenge for you. So knowing that we were going to shave our heads or at least have the opportunity to do so, I had time to figure out what I was going to say to all of my students, my piano students and their parents and to my employer (laughs) to think, okay, what can I say? And honestly, if I didn't want to dive into the story, I stuck with, I had an opportunity to donate my hair to Locks of Love, which is where all the hair went. And that part is true. And I didn't explain what prompted all of my hair being gone, but, but my hair got to be donated. So most people were satisfied with that answer again, within passing, you know, you can't launch into discussions in between lessons. Um, But some parents were like, Hmm, no, 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 no. There's more to the story. Tell me what happened. And, and then I would be honest. And uh, yeah, so I mostly got support. Um, I actually, traveling through airports, I had some people um, mistaken me for a cancer survivor. And um, with eyes full of compassion and love, it would just say, you look great. <laughs> I'm thinking, thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it's not exactly what you think, but I appreciate the love and the outreaching. And uh, so that was, I, I was so grateful to have that. And as far as the rest of the story, I found that most people were so uncomfortable with how big the story was is that I couldn't talk about it. It just, there, I might say one or two things and then that would be enough for them and they would quickly change the subject. So it was almost like, you wanna be a part of my life, but this is too much, so so we're just gonna not go there at all. And what helped me to heal the most was getting on weekly calls with two other women who were at Spiritual Warrior. 
And we did that mm. for three years, I think, that we managed to do it uh, every month. And we, we had calls scheduled. And when we spoke with one another, we just said we are so grateful because no one else in our immediate life understands anything of what went on. And if they even know what happened to me, there's so much judgment because it's their own reaction, right? It's their emotions coming through the filter of fear and love and, you know, like judgment and all this stuff and not entirely helpful for our healing journey, understandable, but it's, um, it made that part of the healing very lonely. Mm. And when I had the opportunity to do the documentary, that's really when I started to feel once again, I, I have comrades, right? I have people who are walking this journey with me mm. side by side. We, we get to share, we get to commiserate, we get to, you know, figure out how to heal ourselves and heal each other and support one another and um, keep going. Since Spiritual Warrior, I have uh, gone on sabbatical for teaching, teaching piano and teaching music. I stopped um, the month that my father died. And since then, I've been healing from that uh, and working on my psychic business. And now, even with all the trauma and all the ups and downs and everything else, I feel like I am at the best place in my life that I've ever been. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here. And can my life get better? Oh, of course. Of course it can. You know, there's, there's always something. There's always things that we're working on and projects and uh, our business, right? Life, life goes on. So there's still wounds and I'm the best I've ever been. Your... Um... It feels very much like that idea of the spiritual warrior. Yes. Right? Yes. Like irony of ironies. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's, it's a Buddhist concept, first of all. So it's a, a lot older than, than um, a workshop title. It feels like you're really dedicated and determined to continue moving through and not avoiding which is so inspiring and as I was listening to you I was thinking you know, when you were saying about your your monthly calls with the two others um People now if you think about it in this pandemic what happened in Sedona was a community trauma. Yes. Right? It was a, a, a trauma that happened to a community. There were three people who lost their lives and countless others affected. And there was a huge web of people also associated with it. Yes. And it highlights for me how important it is during times of 
fear, chaos, trauma, for people to have a lifeline and stay connected. Yeah. And, and stay connected. That's something that is, that lets you be real. You know, interestingly enough, um, as you know, I've been beta testing a free your inner guru community since the beginning of the pandemic. And the premise has been come as you are. And boy, did that resonate at the height of it, but it continues to resonate because people who have big hearts or who are um, on a journey of self-awareness, the outside world is not always the friendliest place to be and to receive information, stimulation, you name it. And having a, a place of refuge where you can kind of take off the mask if there is a mask, you know, being able to say, yeah, there's a struggle going on here or share a victory so people can see that victories are happening. Yeah. It's really been a beautiful thing. Remembering the James Ray community is bittersweet because you and I come from that community. We know each other because of that. And some of, and Brandy and some of our best friends, again, that deep connection to people uh, that goes beyond similarities or commonalities in life. And that was one of the biggest heartaches is after Spiritual Warrior, that community fractured and ran off. I mean, they disappeared from one another. So because of that, I, I'm even more grateful to those two women. And uh, I'd like to name Brandy as one of those two women. She and I, yeah, she, yeah. I love her. She, it was so, such a blessing to share that part of the journey with her to walk that path and to be open to one another. And then for us to come back together now, you know, again, 11, almost 11 years after the fact, mm-hmm. still be friends and still keep in touch and still um, we get to see the growth. I did my interview for Enlighten Us. And that's when you and Brandy came back into my life. And I was like, on one hand, I was like, what? You guys have been talking this whole time. And on the other (laughs) hand, I was just so grateful for the reconnection. And also that anytime anyone from that I have even the loosest of ties to, if my phone rings and I see it's them, it's like, it's a pickup. Oh yeah. Yes. You know, and you know, I feel like there is room for the more compassionate story. And and this is one of my, I think every time that we enter into one of these projects and, you know, as you, I want to make sure we've mentioned, I'm sure we have, but just in case, um, you know, you did sit for an extended interview for Guru and, and, and you were not used. And knowing what you've shared now, you can see in a way that adding you know, your backstory to the narrative, it is a lot, like, you can't do that lightly. No. It can't just be done as a detail. It's a, yeah. I 
became very aware that my story did not fit their their narrative for what they wanted to, um, how they wanted to inform the public of what had happened. And just like Brandy feels like an outlier, I feel like an outlier where it's just like, well, I have so much in common with, with everybody who is there and my story is different. That, yeah. That requires a whole nother special. <laughs> I I was gonna say, my friend, we all feel like outliers, but I get I get what you mean with regards to, and this has been part of the exploration for me as I'm writing this memoir. Like, and I remember being at Spiritual Warrior before the sweat lodge, thinking, oh my God, like get over yourself. None of this stuff has ever happened to you. It was my first significant exposure to um to anyone who had been sexually abused at any age and on one hand it made me grateful and on the other hand recently I'm I'm writing and I'm like oh my god this is so boring (laughs) you know like (laughs) it's just and my story is so ah it's so sadly normal. It is the erosion of a spirit by the everyday. And that's what makes you so relatable is that you are that you represent that story. That is your story. I think I'm sad when people relate to my story and yet we've lived very different lives because of it. Mm -hmm. those of us who have that commonality. Yeah. And I I remember being told, you know, your your biggest stuff is your biggest stuff to you. And I stand by that today, like whatever the challenge is. So it's not to minimize the everyday because I think we live in a world that is designed to erode us. Yes. To take our barriers down, to make us vulnerable to um, influence, whether it's something as you know, benign as which brand of potato chips to buy on the television or which ads to click on. I think self-help, personal development has become so much more mainstream in the last 10 years. It's because it's so needed. And and so whenever one of these productions comes out and it seems like it's presenting the journey as scary or bad or um, as less nuanced than I would like, it makes me concerned because I still would never want to discourage anyone from taking the journey, but I would want them to be armed with more awareness because of our story. I think we all hope that things can be easy and that they have have a fairy tale or movie ending, that kind of plot. However, life tends to be really messy. And even with all the good, there's a lot of bad, right? There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of breaking down in order to figure out what's worth keeping. And it's not easy. In fact, I find that it's among the most difficult things that I've ever done is to break down some internal defenses that I have, like my armor against the world. I do the work because 
I see the results in my own life. I feel the results in my own life. Like I like myself so much better now than any other time in my life. And that took effort to, first of all, admit to myself who I was and how I was showing up and my part in it where I could have stayed the victim and said, oh, it's all daddy's fault. But he participated in something in my early life and then I perpetuated it. So that's the, again, taking responsibility and saying, if I don't like it, I can change it. And that's where it gets exciting. When you, first of all, admit the truth and it hurts because you're like, ouch, I am that person. I am doing what? Oh, crap. And, and then beyond that, then you can go, oh, if I did it, I can change it. And if you can change it, you can make it better. Right. And that's where, that's the healthy side of personal yes. responsibility. And I have to, like, I smell a pattern. So I have to just because I'm me and that's what I do. So that pattern perpetuates with the sweat lodge. Yes. Right. The, the dynamic is of that male leader of the group. Yes. And, and you, is it a similar choice? Did it, did it occur similarly to you? Was did doing the healing work um, with regards to your relationship with your father, did it empower you in any way to be able to either move through or forgive or deal with the dynamic of spiritual warrior? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, so I've used psychological techniques on myself to heal through all the trauma in my life. And one of those techniques is to take myself out of my life. And it's all, it's easy to disassociate. I've already done it since childhood, right? That was one of my defense mechanisms. So to actually use it for my own good and turn it into a witness position where I can see many daughters and many fathers and how no relationship is perfect to look at my father with compassion, to see him as a little boy and to what happened to him, his growing up, how his parents were and how the cycle of abuse has been present in my family for generations, at least a few generations. And I don't know how much farther back because I just, there hasn't been anybody to ask, but if it was present in my parents suffering when they were children, I'm pretty sure that it happened to their parents as well. So, sorry, I, I got a little sidetracked. So um, we were making the connection to doing the inner work on, you know, your personal journey you. and did, how did that impact your, your ability to heal from the the wound of spiritual warrior. Thank you. Thank you. So for me, when I used these techniques to look at my father, to look at the life, also some of the tools that James taught me, and to clarify the things that I've learned from James 
are not his wisdom. They're the wisdom that he accumulated and taught. And I say James because that's where I learned it. But I also recognize that he is not the owner of the wisdom. That it's, it's out there in the world in different religions and different philosophies. So in being able to look at my father as a person, to forgive him for not knowing any better, do I still wish that he had made different choices? Of course I do. I mean, it's, it still hurts on some level to know that the person, again, who is supposed to protect me is the one who's hurting me. And to take that relationship and then to look at James, you know, there was good that came out of that relationship and there was also abuse that came out of that relationship. It's same male dynamic. My father broke my trust so early on in my life and that sacred bond was forever changed because of his actions. I don't know if I ever gave James that consideration when I met him. I think I already had him at a distance. And what he did to me personally, I can forgive. But he also didn't kill my daughter, right? My daughter did not die at his event, nor did my son. So I don't have, I don't have that to forgive. I can look at that and go, that is horrible. And at the same time, I can look at him and say, that was not his intention. For as many mistakes as he's made, it was never his intention to actually purposefully hurt anyone. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He's always wanted to help. He's just a little misguided in how he's helping. And so, yes, my relationship and my healing journey with my father definitely gave me the tools to forgive James and to look at him with compassion. Mm-hmm. much more so than I think I would have otherwise. There's, there's something there to be um, extracted around remembering that anyone in this position of leadership is particularly, well, I was going to say particularly self-help, but you could extend it to clergy, doctor, anyone involved in any form of spiritual or um, body you know, where are we most vulnerable, right? Our bodies and our, and our, our spirit and therapists, they are human too. And they come with all the human foibles and they come with, and, and I think that is the dynamic of why it brings me back down and reminds me of why the putting them on the pedestal and the, the fame that's associated with it. Um, is so incredibly toxic because it takes that facade and amplifies it. It does. And it makes the facade the thing. It makes the marketing, the creation of this mythic figure. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why people resonate with people like say Brene Brown, where like shame and vulnerability is the topic, but now you even see, Right now, she's being elevated to self-help guru status. Yes. And, and in a big way, 
And, and you're like, I'm like, Oh, I hope this goes well. I think yes. it will. We, we hope she has the tools to recognize yeah. what's happening and she's human. So. Yes. And so, and not to make this about her, I'm just, yeah. I'm pulling her out as an example because yeah. lo and behold, Harry and Megan have, you know, they're, you can just see it in the press around the world. Yeah. And it was the first time yesterday that I've ever seen Brene Brown, who is a psychologist being referred to by a, you know, a, a British, it's probably tabloid as self-help guru. And, <laughs> and I was like, Oh boy, that's quite oh, a no. mantle to, to yeah. put on someone. Yes. And so we need to continually tell this story. And I hope that we find a way to tell this story that, that is able to have an impact. And I don't think the mainstream is it. I think, you know, that's kind of being exhausted and, um, and it will, it will continue, but I would love to see our story told in a way that isn't shaming to the very people who could benefit most from the awareness. And I still find that there's elements of that attached to it. And, and that's, that's why I'm motivated to have these conversations with you, with Brandy, with anyone who wants to come on, because, you know, to present the whole person and to humanize is I think the way to get to the, the hearts of the people who are, um, who are closest to us. And what you just said there, it, my thoughts are going to our, the, what basically you're for your inner guru, right? Your inner wisdom, that voice inside yourself that knows what's best for you, because only you can be inside your body 24 seven. So even though some outside authority might have an opinion you still get to make that choice and your gut, your um, instincts, your something, some voice inside of you knows what's best for you. We just have learned not to listen to it. We've turned mm-hmm. it down. We've been trained to listen to outside authority, to do jobs that we don't really like that much to live lives that we're like, why are we doing this? Why, you know, why are we buying a bigger house if we don't actually want the bigger house? Do we have to buy the bigger house? Who are we trying to impress? You know, that, that kind of lifestyle where we are no longer tending to our own needs. We're just kind of stuck following the flow of Mm. what we think we should be doing. And it really does, it, it calls up that um, image of, and hopefully it won't be too long before I get to go on a plane again and, and hear, mm-hmm. you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Yes. Because, you know, you've shared with me in the past that you had trepidation about um, going to Spiritual Warrior and that, and we're aware of people who either didn't go or backed out because their intuition was telling them it wasn't, it wasn't going, it wasn't for them. And I think if we, you know, my version of that is quite well documented inside the sweat lodge. Yes. 
you had trepidation yourself. I did. I did. I, um, the feeling of foreboding definitely was very, very strong before this event for months leading up to it. Anytime I thought about it, something didn't sit right. Um, I remember having, uh, and this goes more to my psychic side. I have conversations with spirit or soul or my, my spirit guides, whatever language you are most comfortable with. But I remember hearing that the event was going to be like 9-11. I remember hearing that, oh, being asked if I wanted to go to the hospital. And I thought, what a weird question. Why would I be asked that? And I could hear my answer in just that tone, like, no, I, first of all, me being very practical, I'm like, I don't have health insurance at this time and it would be very impractical and I don't need the drama and no, thank you. I don't want to be sick. And I, I didn't understand what that meant until way later mm. after the event, when I was looking back and trying to figure out what had happened. And I recalled the conversation and thought, oh my God, I was being given a choice for myself. I was aware of my, I guess that goes to personal responsibility of what I want to create in terms of my own experience. Um, And I've, the 9-11 reference is, uh, I remember what I remember about 9-11, and this is the hopeful part, also tragic part, But when children were watching television and the two towers were on fire and people were jumping out of windows, I remember this being reported that children were pointing to the TVs and telling their parents, look at all the angels. They could see the angels coming to pick up the souls. Now you can, of course, people have explained it as, well, maybe it's because they saw the bodies falling and everything else and more morbid point of view from my spiritual point of view. Again, this is more belief in faith. That's what gives me the most hope about that time is that at least for the people who passed, the angels were able to come and take them away before they suffered. So hearing that spiritual warrior was going to be like a 9-11, my first reaction is there's disbelief. It's like, no, that can't happen. What are you talking about? You know, arguing like that's what a morbid thought. How horrible. Shame on me. Don't think that, you know, just go. But then to find out, okay, now I understand there is this thing. I do remember asking after I found out that it was going to be like a 9-11, is there anything I can do to stop it? I do remember asking spirit. And then I got this answer like, no. And it's like, why? Why are you telling me this if I, I can't do anything about it? It's like, there, it's bigger than me. It is not 
my role to be savior and to prevent some disaster. That's not why I was being given this information. It was because something's coming. It's the ripple effects of it go throughout time forwards and backwards as a trauma. And we're aware that it it's coming. It's big again, bigger than us. Listening to you and following along as best I can. This is an example of how psychic ability works. Yes. And the piecing it together is very much up to the person that it's for. Yes. And in its own very strange similarity, um, during those, those months and years, I was, and again, I never had any of this stuff in my life. I didn't have people like you in my life. <laughs> I didn't even know you were psychic at that time, but it was definitely around and you, you're engaging with people who are um, incredibly intelligent and, and sensitive and, and have these professional lives and, and who also just happen to have other gifts. And, and I got a, a referral to a, a psychic and I had a session within a couple of months before spiritual warrior and this person who I've, I didn't know him. He was somewhere in, I think, Western Canada. And, and he was asking me, are you traveling? Like it comes in questions sometimes. And, you know, and it's, are you traveling a lot? Are you going here? Are you going there? And he was trying to deal with an image that he was being presented and he described it as a mash unit and that he was seeing he's like you're okay it's happening all around you and but it looks like you're in a war zone are you planning to travel overseas anytime soon and I was like no no (laughs) right like no I'm not going anywhere near a war zone country yeah and certainly if the opportunity comes up it sounds like maybe I should let it pass like and so it and and he was um discombobulated by it in a sense right because here you are having this reading with this nice lady from Kelowna and 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 suddenly this comes in and so there was no resolution during the session and it wasn't until I swear to god over a year later that that dropped for me where I, and I went and I found the CD and I listened to it again. Hindsight. It's like, oh. but it's also, it's also sight that it's other sight, right. Yeah. To the, to the average person. And I will call myself at that time an average person. I wasn't aware. I thought it was all BS, you know? And, and so there are, and I, and I think this is a part of why it's become so important to me to, to further my own relationship with my intuition 
and my own abilities, but also raise awareness that there is wisdom above and beyond what you're conscious of. And it is the journey of becoming more conscious, more self-aware so that you can, you know, and I can't, I don't know anyone who's got it dialed in a hundred percent, but the more you can know the difference between your own conditioning and your trauma and your wounds that need to be healed and what is wisdom that's coming from either within you or your higher self or that you're picking up on, we have to keep that method of sending and receiving thoughts and feelings and energy. It's about broadening it and deepening our connection to it, not hiding from it and distracting from it and negating it. It's, you know, you talk about conditioning and that's exactly what our society and our lives kind of have done to us or we've allowed to happen. This is how we live where we set aside that own inner wisdom. And the only way we can trust ourselves is to actually trust ourselves so we have to act on the knowledge that we're, we're being given. And I remember when I shared that story of having this spirit conversation and being given some details, there were people, like you said, who had planned to go to Spiritual Warrior, who had their own feelings of, you know what, I don't think so. I really want to go, but I, I don't think I should go to this one. And many people backed out. Many people decided it wasn't for them. They trusted that instinct. And I, I got to hear that, those stories. People shared them with me because I shared mine. And I remember there was even one woman at Spiritual Warrior who did not go into the sweat lodge. I have written, actually, in my, in my memoir, I've written... Um, the scene of lining up to go in and she was right over my shoulder. We were right in front of her standing on one of the porches of the not teepees of the little cabins. Yeah. Yeah. And she was saying, and, and I've written about, I've not shared this is, and I don't want to get into too much detail here because I think it, I, I don't feel like my inner wisdom is is saying just leave it, but I I am a hundred percent aware that that happened. Yes, I'd love to track her down. I know it I would know. be hard because she's European and yes. I don't know where she's from. But um, but standing right there, and I look at what were the factors that because I was having my own feelings in my body and I was suppressing them, but there were also um, comforts and safety and relationships and people around me that, you know, it was a really tough balance. Yes. And at some point there's that moment where you go, oh, and you know, and you just kind of ignore, push through, or, or just think not knowing what the risk is. And I say practice small, right? Like practice small. And I'm pretty sure over the years, you've said that to me a thousand times, 
right? It's like practicing the discernment piece and strengthening that muscle small and doing the best you can and know that at any moment in time, everyone is doing the best that they can. Sometimes their best sucks. Yes. Yeah. We've all had that. This is why I, I get concerned or upset if I feel like our story is used to push people away from the journey. Yeah. Because I believe in the importance of the journey. And without a se- exception, these past six months during the pandemic, the people who have weathered the, the storm the best are the people who have done the work. Yes. Resiliency. Yeah. And all, and being okay with being with yourself. It's, there's a difference between choosing something because it's not right for you and running away from something because you're scared. So if fear is your driving motivation, that's something for you to look at. And the reason why I say that is because I don't like, I have an aversion to things having power over me because of my life and some of the choices I've made. So even if something scares me, I'm going to figure out a way how to get through my fear in order to achieve it because that's important to me. I don't like fear controlling what I can and can't do. And that's not a person, but that's my own feeling, my own um, reactions to things. And so when we talk about making choices, it's either you're choosing something or you're running away from something. If you choose, even if you're not choosing, but if you're a consciously, this is not for me, that's a choice out of love that you do for yourself. But if you are not choosing the spiritual path because you make it hurt, it's like you may get hurt crossing the street. You could get hurt walking to the refrigerator, you could get hurt. You know, there's so many ways that, that life can kind of sneak in there, but it's, it's not about that. It's how do you choose to live? What experiences do you want to have? Wouldn't you rather live a life where you create it instead of at the end of life, having all those regrets of, I wish I would have. Instead of following everybody else, I wish I would have followed myself. Just as we move towards wrapping up, Julie, if you were to look back at this entire experience, what would be, um, if someone said to you, you've got like one or two minutes, here's the microphone. What would you like people to know? You know, it's so interesting as you say that I I think of my tattoo and if, may I show you? Sure. So I have this tattoo. Uh, it has words. I don't know if you can see the whole thing. It says choose love now. Yes. So I actually, um, I got that tattoo in honor of Kirby, James and Liz and my journey. So the three words represent those three souls. And it's my reminder that me being an emotional creature, I tend to feel things very deeply. And I 
because I spent so many years suppressing my emotions, I kind of let myself uh, go the other way and I dive deep into emotions. So I feel everything. I'm often cranky. I, you know, <laughs> go through everything and every feeling is valid. Of course it is. We have this system of, of feedback for a reason. We are not created with emotions for the emotions to be wrong. They just inform us how our choices feel to us. So if our emotions are letting us know something isn't right, that's for us to know and us to listen to. So all of these emotions being valid, sometimes I indulge in some of the crankier ones um, a little bit more than I'd like, especially in writing my own life story. There's a lot of dark in there. And at the end of the day, I want to take away the best of people and my experience and what I've learned. And that is to choose love over any other emotion. If you start with the place of love, from a place of love, you can't go wrong because that is, I am taking care of myself. I am taking care of life even if all you can do is take care of you that is the best thing ever that's good for all of your relationships if you take care of you first because nobody else can take care of you the way you can take care of you so that's really what I have learned is along the journey honor all of your feelings honor the pain honor your suffering, if I can say it that way, because we have to acknowledge that it's valid, that we have a right to feel that way. And we also don't want to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think a lot of uh, what you made me think of there is this in denying our emotions, our emotions, not the ones that we're picking up from other people or intuiting in on others' behalf. But in honoring that, we are being fully human. And especially one of my biggest challenges has been around suppressed emotion. Yes. And and you know, whether that's no emotion in business or don't cry, don't cry, or, you know, just this conditioning. A lot of us have been conditioned to suppress the emotional side and that becomes the norm. And, and the path forward is actually a lot faster (laughs) if you can allow them to happen and deal with them. And, and, that's, I think, one of my big takeaways has been, and even this summer, to allow myself to feel the feels on what's happening. And now, you know, and early September, pick up and away you go, right? Moving forward, having integrated and having a new understanding of, of the next phase in all of this. Yes, I think that's really important what you just said there, that 
because you allowed yourself to feel the emotions while they were happening, there's no backlog. There's no, you know, leftover you have to process. It's you are fully present in where you are now. And because you gave yourself that time and space, permission and compassion, you were able to move forward fully integrated. Yes, I had all those feelings and everybody around me seemed to have those feelings too. And now I know what to do with them. I'm going to use them to propel me forward and to communicate with people and be authentic. Mm-hmm. And that is so much, yeah, it's, I always find it funny how we make emotions the bad guy and they really aren't. Again, they're just a feedback mechanism where our soul is trying to get our attention and say, hey, maybe make a different choice because this makes me, you, really unhappy. You know, this doesn't feel good. And that's all that it is. Yes, am I doing the right thing? Hmm, maybe I should reconsider and try something else. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on here, for sharing your insight and and being able to, you know, and, and clearly to, to share your story and your backstory requires, um, you know, that inner strength that comes from the healing. So I want to acknowledge that, but also just to be able to throw the doors open a little bit on, on what, you know, the, what the life and thoughts of someone who has a psychic ability are, that's, very generous of you and and I think it also makes it more accessible for people to understand as you've told me for years you know you have the power too it's it's how it it's a, a tuning in to how it occurs for you yes. and yeah and so I do I really appreciate that because it it shows it's not it's not foresight in the sense of always being sure it it is it's being sure of the feeling the energy the vibe and interpreting it for the outcomes and and that's that's where you know speaking with people like like you can be so helpful because it's another sight into a person and their energy so if people want to connect with you after listening where can they find you, Julie Men? Oh, I'm kind of an elusive creature. I am available if you want to message me on Facebook. Uh, I do not have a working website, so that's not helpful. And really, that's the best way to get me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you live, um, we, we occur in the online world very differently, but I will, <laughs> yeah. I, I am also a, uh, a good point of contact for, for Julie as well. Yes. So thank you once again for coming on and for just bringing, bringing the light and bringing the love. Um, it's so oh, appreciated. Thank you, Laura. I, I love our conversations and it has, it really has been my privilege to witness you grow over the last three and a half years or so for this podcast. And it's beautiful to see you blossom. And I'm excited to see what comes next. And thank you for letting me be a part of it. Oh, it's my pleasure. 
and uh, and yeah, and you're you're aware of some of the things that are percolating. So it's an exciting time. <laughs> it it's an exciting. exciting time. It really is. So uh, yeah. So we will more on that in the future. But uh, but thank you for coming on and and just being such a thoughtful and uh, provocative guest. You're always welcome here. Thank you, Laura. I love you. Love you too. I've got to tell you, there's nothing quite like being told that you're loved at the end of an interview. Thank you so much to Julie Min for coming on and sharing a piece of your heart with all of us. If you would like to get in touch with Julie, I've left a link to her Facebook in the show notes. You can send her a message there. And if you'd like to get more involved in with the Free Your Inner Guru online community, These days, the more community and connection we can cultivate, the better for our personal development, but also our mental and emotional wherewithal and wellness over the course of this year. It's been super challenging out there in the midst of a global pandemic. And uh, so there's a really easy way for you to get involved. You can find out more by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash free your inner guru. And yes, there is a a link in the show notes and uh, you'll see two tiers there for the leadership community, $25 a month and $50 a month. For $25 a month, you get to connect with a group of like-minded, incredible people And rumor has it that Julie is one of those people. Um, And we gather monthly to connect, talk about spiritual and personal development topics. People can send in questions related to the podcast content or maybe something they want a little bit of coaching on or insight from me or from the group. I'm the host and facilitator. They've been just amazing. Um, for the $50 a month, you're involved in that monthly Q&A and a monthly self-care tune-up two weeks later. So it's this ongoing exchange of big conversations and self-care. And there's really, in my experience, no better way to cultivate resilience and connection to your inner wisdom than a solid self-care practice and a solid learning journey. So, um, you are welcome to check it out. If you have any questions, you can contact me over the website at lauratucker.com forward slash contact. And uh, you'll be hearing more about it in future episodes. But I just thought I would drop that right here. So as not to leave it hanging since it was mentioned. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if there's one big takeaway from it is something very succinct that Julie said. The only way we can trust ourselves is to actually trust ourselves. That's the work in a nutshell. It's such a great reminder. We actually have to trust ourselves, which means we have to act on the knowledge and the insights and the sparks of intuition to strengthen that muscle and to continue to move forward in power and not give our power away. So on that note, signing off for Free Your Inner Guru, I'm Laura Tucker. Have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful week.